As you know, Clay decided we need to take a break from all that which is wearing us out these days, the, the pandemic and COVID-19 and social distancing and politics and the presidential election and racism and Black Lives Matter. And instead we need to, in our worship, to focus on that which will inspire us and, and renew us and, and give us hope. And I couldn't agree with Clay more. And so I'm very happy this morning to continue in this series of sermons coming from Luke's gospel under the theme of simply Jesus. And this morning I want to look at what Jesus clearly says about the cost of discipleship. And you can find it in Luke 14 verses 25 to 33. And I want to look at that text by sharing with you an example of this scripture in a living person. Somebody who knew what Jesus meant when he said you should make sure you're willing to pay the price before you say you're going to follow me. Make sure you're willing to meet the demands, willing to do whatever it takes. And in the scripture, uh, he, he uses what, you know, is an uh, extreme example, not to be taken literally, but meaning how you can be willing to pay whatever price you have to, to be faithful to Jesus. But if you do so, he also wants you to know that you do not do it alone because he will always be with you. So I want to share that scripture this morning in terms of a personal example one of the greatest Christians, as far as I'm concerned, who's ever lived over the past 100 years, uh, is a man by the name of, of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was born 114 years ago, and his life literally exemplifies what Jesus is talking about in this passage in Luke. The name Bonhoeffer is certainly familiar and very dear to the heart of anyone who knows about Christianity in the 20th century. Bonhoeffer was born February the 4th, 1906 in Breslau, Germany, which is now a part of Poland. He was the son of an eminent psychiatrist, part of an aristocratic German family and one of eight children. He grew up in Berlin where his father was a university professor and his next door neighbor was the well-known Christian theologian, Adolf von Harnack. Bonhoeffer was only eight years old when World War I began. And he was 12 years old when his brother was killed on the Western Front. After the war, Germany experienced all sorts of upheavals, cultural, social, political, economic, so Bonhoeffer learned firsthand as a young boy what the horrors of war are all about. And this is why he chose to work for peace for the rest of his life. He was only 14 when he decided that his life's work would be in the field of religion. And during the next 10 years, Bonhoeffer studied at the University of Tübingen, the University of Berlin, Union Theological Seminary in New York City. He traveled to Italy and North Africa. He traveled extensively in the United States, Cuba, and Mexico. He served as a pastor in Barcelona, Spain, taught at the University of Berlin, 
and did ministry in the poverty-stricken areas of that city. He also got involved in the ecumenical movement, which was an effort to unite all Christians uh, and bring them into the world alliance of, of churches. His ecumenical concerns, however, threatened his career because the German nationalists had severely condemned the ecumenical movement, and yet Bonhoeffer knew that it was an important way to work for peace. In the early 1930s, as the Nazi menace grew in Germany, Bonhoeffer realized the threat. He even said in 1932, should we be surprised if again days come for our church in which the blood of martyrs will be demanded? If some of us really should have the faith and the honor and the loyalty to shed this blood, then indeed it will not be the innocent and shining blood of the first witnesses. Adolf Hitler was installed as Chancellor of Germany in 1933. And from the beginning, Bonhoeffer was an ardent opponent of the Third Reich. Two days after Hitler took office, Bonhoeffer preached over the radio, saying that putting a person like Hitler in such a position of authority would be uh, equivalent to idolatry. His radio message was cut off before he could even finish the sermon. When Hitler tried to bend the church to his will, Bonhoeffer and others like him organized the Confessing Church in opposition to Hitler's German Christians. Bonhoeffer headed up a seminary for the Confessing Church, but as the Nazi opposition to the church continued to grow, the seminary was outlawed. And so Bonhoeffer and others took it underground. By 1938, conditions had grown so bad in Germany that Bonhoeffer and his friends enter into an active political combat against Hitler. Later in 1941, he was even involved in an assassination attempt against Hitler. A very interesting fact for someone who was basically a pacifist and a situation that would certainly challenge us as Christians today if ever we were faced by a similar situation. Bonhoeffer's family and friends urged him to get out of Germany for his own safety. And in 1939, a lecture trip was arranged for him here in America. And once in this country, Bonhoeffer could have stayed and been safe for the duration of the war. But being a loyal German and a dedicated Christian, he would not stay in America. Even though he knew it would endanger his life, he returned to the struggle in Germany, knowing that his place of serving God was there with his fellow Christians. He arrived back in Germany just before the Nazi forces attacked Poland. And then the Blitzkrieg stormed through Belgium, Holland, Luxembourg, and France. And Bonhoeffer watched in horror as his fellow countrymen butchered their way across Europe. In 1940, Bonhoeffer was forbidden by the government, the Nazi government, to preach anymore. And the next year, they then forbid him to print or to publish any writings. But that didn't stop him. 
During his struggle to overthrow Hitler, Bonhoeffer became engaged to a beautiful, intelligent girl 17 years younger than he was. But their marriage never took place because early in April of 1943, the Gestapo arrested Dietrich Bonhoeffer. First, he was sent to a prison in Berlin from which he wrote his famous book, Letters and Papers from Prison. During these difficult days, he ministered to the other prisoners. He even had uh, a profound influence upon his Nazi guards. But prison life was very hard and Bonhoeffer longed for the outside world and his family and especially his fiance. In 1944, another attempt was made on Hitler's life. And through some of those who were arrested, the Gestapo was able to link, uh, implicate Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So he was arrested. He was transferred to a maximum security prison. And when the Russian army approached Berlin in 1945, he was transferred again. When the American armies approached his new prison at Beckenwald, Bonhoeffer and 15 other prisoners were taken away. On Sunday, April the 8th, 1945, he and those other prisoners were in worship. And Bonhoeffer had just finished praying when the door opened and a voice said, prisoner Bonhoeffer, get ready to come with us. Those words, come with us meant only one thing to the prisoners, the scaffold. Said one of the other prisoners who survived the war, Bonhoeffer drew me aside and said, this is the end, but for me, it's only the beginning of life. He was taken to a concentration camp in Flossenburg, quickly tried for treason and found guilty. On April the 9th, 1945, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was hanged just three weeks before Hitler committed suicide and the Third Reich fell. His body was cremated and his ashes were scattered in the wind. Another prisoner who survived the war has recorded this description of Bonhoeffer's final moments. He says, through the half-open door in one room of the huts, I saw Pastor Bonhoeffer, before taking off his prison garb, kneeling on the floor and praying fervently to God. I was most deeply moved by the way this lovable man prayed, so devout and so certain that God heard his prayers. At the place of execution, he again said a short prayer, and then he climbed the steps to the gallows, brave and composed. His death ensued a few seconds later, and in the almost 50 years that I have worked as a doctor, I have hardly ever seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God. Although he lived so many generations later, Bonhoeffer's life in so many ways resembles that of the Apostle Paul in the Bible. He wrote much of his theology in his letters, in letters from prison. He was executed after a mock trial by a government that was hostile to the Christian faith. His theology was intensely Christ-centered and directed toward the church. 
And he developed his thinking and his teaching not in academic isolation, but in very active ministry. The main questions that concerned both the Apostle Paul and Dietrich Bonhoeffer were, what is Christianity and what does Christ mean for us today? These are questions that all of us need to be asking ourselves. Would we be willing to die for Jesus Christ? What price would we be willing to pay to be loyal to Christ? Although it seems highly unlikely in this country that any of us would ever have to die for our Christian faith, it does happen today in many other countries around the world. How would we handle it if we were faced with it? In 1931, after he had been a Christian and even a pastor for a number of years, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote to a friend, something happened. Something has changed and transformed my life to this present day. For the first time, I discovered the Bible. I had often preached I had seen a great deal of the church, but I had not yet really become a Christian. You and I consider ourselves Christians. We think that we have prayed and read the Bible, and we think we know what the church is all about. But in reality, we aren't, we haven't, and we don't. We may have come far, but there is so much further we have to go. When we look at the, the life of a Christian like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, it makes us realize how true that is. Bonhoeffer wrote many books, but, but two that I would highly recommend to you are his book, Letters and Papers from Prison, and his other book, The Cost of Discipleship. In them, there are at least two things with which I wanna challenge you today. First of all, as our Lord emphasizes over and over again in the gospel, before we choose to follow Jesus, we need to know what we are doing. As Jesus said it clearly in our scripture lesson in Luke today, don't begin until you first count the cost. Jesus was and still is totally honest. He wants no one to follow him under false pretenses but always be aware of the price you are asked to pay if you choose to follow him. Jesus said to his first disciples and could say to us today, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Couldn't that be true of the way our world has become today if we truly live up to our Christian faith? We must be willing to pay the price no matter what that price might be. Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The price we have to pay could be great. It could be as great as your, your life. In fact, it should be all of our life that we stay committed. Are we really willing to pay it? Secondly, once you choose to follow Jesus, you must see it through. This means a spirit that never gives up, no matter what happens. A spirit that cannot be defeated, 
by any task, nor broken by any misfortune or suffering, including a long drawn out corona pandemic, nor deterred by disappointment or discouragement. It means having patience with others. It means bearing insult and injury without complaint, bearing the foolishness of others without irritation and suffering unpleasant people with graciousness. As Christian Bible scholar William Barclay once put it, one of the sorriest things in life is the number of things which we begin, but we never finish. We never see it through. Could that ever be said about you and the commitment that you've made to Jesus Christ? There's a big difference between being a follower of Jesus and being a true disciple, between being just a a hanger on and really doing one's part. The true disciple first counts the cost, decides that he or she is willing to pay the price, whatever it might be, and then sees it through. Or as Jesus said, those who endure to the end will be saved. The greatest tragedy of Christianity throughout history is that too many people have claimed the promises of Jesus or joined the church without first counting the cost and then being willing to pay the price. As a result, they have tried to make their Christian faith and their Christian life too easy. In many cases, without any cost at all or what Dietrich Bonhoeffer called cheap grace. And so they have failed in carrying the cross of Christ and failed to see it through to the end. Nevertheless, there have always been those wonderful exceptions, the minority of true disciples who have continued to make possible the greatness of Christianity and the mission of the church. I encourage you to read the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Read his writings, especially those letters from prison he wrote before he was put to death. If you do, you will be inspired as a Christian like you've never been inspired before. If we live, we live for Christ. If we die, we shall gain even more. Blessed are those who die on the Lord that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Would you pray with me? Lord, help us realize the challenge of being your faithful disciples in today's world. It is our greatest joy and blessing, but it's also our greatest challenge and responsibility when we take it seriously. When we measure the value of our lives, may we count the cost be willing to pay the price and say, Lord, here I am, use me. We pray in the name of Jesus, amen.